Hey everyone, Dave here from Saturday Morning Cartoons with your weekly pre-show announcements. First up, we have a shout-out from our previous episode for Netflix's new animated series, The Last Kids on Earth. Brandon Heaton says simply, I am so excited for this. Brandon, we hope you had a chance to check out the series, and please let us know what you thought about it now that you actually got to watch it. We also have a shout-out from a throwback episode going all the way back to episode 29, The Herculoids. Misa Like You says, Why do you millennials always say, I feel like? I feel like this was a cartoon. Yeah. Here's an I feel like for you. I feel like I can only hear one of you, and the rest sound like they are down in the basement. Misa Like You, I feel like you have some issues to work out, and I hope that you have. Speaking of issues, we definitely had some audio-related growing pains when we first started out more than five years ago. We'd love to revisit some of those early episodes again, and we feel like maybe you'd enjoy it a little more if we did. As for today's episode, I'll be sharing my first impressions of Season 10 of Robot Chicken, which arrives on Cartoon Network's Adult Swim on Sunday, September 29th, at 12am and 12.15am Eastern Pacific Times. I'll also be bringing you a one-on-one interview with co-creator Seth Green, who talks about Season 10, the show's 200th episode, which will also be the season finale, the upcoming special guest stars like Mark Hamill and Katie Sackhoff, and much more. Keep in mind there will be spoilers, so feel free to bookmark us now and listen to us later if you'd like. And now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoons, the Collider Weekly Podcast for all things animation, including news, reviews, and interviews. I'm Collider's streaming and animation editor, Dave Trumbor. Sean Paul Ellis couldn't be here today because he's currently being stop-motion animated one frame at a time. It's a very laborious process, but he should be good to go in about 12 to 18 months. On today's episode, I'll be reviewing the 10th season of Adult Swim's Robot Chicken, just before bringing you an interview with the stop-motion animated show's creator, Seth Green. But in case you aren't familiar with Robot Chicken, here's Bobby Anthem to tell you exactly what it's all about. The 10th season is a milestone for Adult Swim's hit show, Robot Chicken. Not for celebrating the 200th episode of the Emmy Award-winning show, but for attempting top-secret new formats that break new ground in animated sketch comedy. Or something like that. Robot Chicken uses stop-motion animation to bring pop culture parodies to life in a modern take on the variety sketch show format. The series debuted February 2005 and remains among the top-rated original series on Adult Swim. Robot Chicken is created and executive produced by Seth Green and Matthew Senreich and their Stupid Buddy Studios partners John Harvatine IV and Eric Towner also serve as executive producers. Green and Sinreich also write, voice, and with Tom Shepard, direct the award-winning series. Thanks again, Bobby, as always. And if any of the Robot Chicken team just happens to be listening, be sure to reach out to Bobby if you want a badass voice performance for your upcoming special, Season 11, or anything else beyond that. That special, by the way, as we learned from Seth Green, is due to arrive next year sometime, but we don't know much more about it than that right now. What I can share with you, however, are my first impressions of Season 10, which arrives Sunday, September 29th at midnight on Cartoon Network's Adult Swim. I had a chance to check out the first three episodes, and I'm happy to say that they're as ridiculous as ever. Here's your spoiler alert, since I'll be talking about the new season, followed by some spoilery content in our interview with Seth. If you haven't caught up with the Season 9 finale and you care about spoilers, it's probably best to go remedy that now. Season 10 starts off with a fun framing story of sorts. It features a regularly occurring character, the nerd, who's somehow alive after attempting to jump a canyon last season in order to save Robot Chicken from cancellation. That didn't work out too well for him, but it did work for the show itself. 
So how's the nerd still alive? Well, it seems that the scientist who created the cyborg robot chicken years ago is up to his old tricks once again. With the help of the robot chicken, they unearthed the nerd from his grave, gathered up all his various disparate body parts, stitched them back together, and gave him life. If this sounds like something out of Frankenstein, you're on the right track. But getting to see the nerd himself tell the story is a fun experience for fans of the original Universal Monster movie. From there, the episodes pick up like usual. Viewers are treated to rapid-fire skits that take aim at pop culture from the past and present. There's a good balance of nostalgia-focused jokes, like the, the Rust Troll dolls, the Stone Protectors, E.T., and the ongoing juice wars between Hawaiian Punch and the Kool-Aid Man, as well as contemporary gags like the dangers of plastic straws, The Handmaid's Tale, and the rise of esports. There's a rare misfire here and there, but most of the jokes are solid, and some of them are laugh-out-loud funny, even if they are very, very wrong. And like everything else in Robot Chicken, the more you know from nostalgia and current pop culture, like the many and varied dances in Fortnite, the more fun you'll have. Season 10 confirms that Robot Chicken still has plenty of fun and funny ideas in the tank, and likely will for years to come. In my chat with Seth, he mentioned seeing Robot Chicken as a sort of stop-motion Saturday Night Live, meaning that it could continue on indefinitely because there will always be new pop culture items to poke fun at and plenty of nostalgia to mine. So whether you've been a fan for years or have never watched a single episode, I definitely recommend checking it out when it premieres on Adult Swim Sunday, September 29th at midnight. Now, if you want to know more about the making of Season 10 or find out what you can expect from the season finale, which also happens to be the show's 200th episode, as well as the upcoming special, you'll want to stick around for my chat with Seth Green. Some of the following audio has been edited due to embargoed information, so keep an eye out on Collider for that news as we get closer to the release date of that 200th episode and next year's upcoming special. But with that said, here's my chat with the one and only Seth Green. Thank you for taking time out of your, I'm sure, crazy busy schedule to talk to me today about uh, Robot Chicken. No, no problem. It's been a little while since we've seen a new episode. Uh, so, you know, what have you and the team been up to since last we saw the show on TV? Gosh, a lot. It takes us a long time to make a season, and so we've been working on it for uh, quite some time. We started uh, last year uh, writing the new season, and we're just finishing up the, the post on uh, our, our 200th episode. And we've been, we've been writing some other stuff. Uh, there's a special we're putting together that I don't think has been announced yet. That's great. Those are all definitely things I want to touch on as we move <laughs> further through the interview, Not too. Sure. So I will, I will uh, put a pin in those and, and come back to them. Um, how, has okay. it, how has it been kind of managing pre-production and your schedule when, you know, you guys maybe don't know during the course of a season if you're going to get a chance to do another one? So how's that been managing that? I don't really think about it, to tell you the truth. The the schedule is usually exactly what we have in front of us, and with each season, it's a 20-episode commitment, and so um, we'll just manage that schedule as um, efficiently as we can, uh, but, but we, we really focus on making each episode, making each season um, good, so... That's that's what we concentrate on. Well, we appreciate that. Uh, what what would you say is your favorite part of maybe pre-production before you get your get a chance to get in there and, and literally get your hands on the materials? Um, I do enjoy writing, especially when we get new writers in the room or we get people returning. Um, just seeing where everybody has been thinking uh, or or what in pop culture has stuck to them or what questions about the pop they watched when they were kids, like what has uh, raised questions for them. We we love getting um, all of that creativity percolating, you know. And then once we've got those ideas written up into sketches, it, it becomes about how to produce them. Do you have any new writers or any new talent that came on board for this season that you were particularly impressed with or want to give kind of a shout out to? 
Um, every season we have returning cast that, that does, um, uh, if we, if we've established a specific character, then some people come back for that. Like, you know, if we have a bitch pudding sketch, we'll bring Katie Sackhoff back for that. Right. Uh, but then we also try and, uh, get anybody that we've never worked with or anybody that's interested in doing the show, um, an opportunity to, to do something fun. I'm curious though, for returning voice actors that get to come back and do uh, a character, you know, redo another character or, or do another adventure as that character. Do they ever get any kind of input or do they just trust you guys and just go with what's on the page? I guess it just depends. You know, we, when you, when you have um, an actor like Breckenmeyer or uh, Katie Sackhoff, um, and especially with a character that they've helped originate, uh, then we, we, we always allow for a bit of improvisation. It's one of the things I like the most about the format is we can let an actor uh, play around in the booth. If there's something to expand on or an idea that they have or a voice they wanted to explore, we'd love to give people a chance to do that. But sometimes the jokes are so specifically written that they really just need to be well executed. You know? Gotcha. Uh, and getting into season 10 a little bit, since it does premiere very soon, uh, first of all, congratulations to you guys for surviving another season. Thanks. And I guess I can kind of say the same for the nerd, even though he's had kind of a rough go uh, between seasons. Can you talk about crafting this new intro for this season and coming up with a framing story uh, that kind of, you know, we're going to get into some spoiler territory, but it swaps the nerd in for the uh, titular robot chicken. Yeah, we always like... Um expanding the mythology of the show or, or sort of implying a behind the scenes of the show. There's, there's a quasi reality to the cast putting on a, a play every week, you know? And so even though there is a, a context within the show itself, there's, we like to wink a little bit that they're, you know, performing something. I always loved the original Muppet show and the way they would have the things on stage, and that was the show that the audience saw, but then you were also given access to the behind-the-scenes of it. And, you know, we, we never really get too deep into the behind-the-scenes production except as, a, uh, like, a behind-the-scenes feature. But, but having the characters um, imply that they're performing is, is just funny to me. Um, and so we ended last season with the nerd exploding and being unceremoniously buried, or at least having all of his parts buried. Right. Um, so we didn't want to just snap our fingers and bring everybody back to life. And it also gave us a new opportunity to, to do a new opening. And so that's really where that came from was, okay, well, we've got the, when last we saw the nerd, he was blown into pieces and buried underground and how better to revive him than by the scientist's hand. And it also gave you guys an opportunity to put a robot chicken spin on one of my all-time favorite scenes from cinematic history, which is Frankenstein throwing a little girl uh, into a pond, which <laughs> always makes me laugh whether it should or not. Right. <laughs> Probably not the most appropriate laugh, but Probably. it's easy to manipulate for comedy. Exactly. And that's, I mean, that's kind of a robot chicken brand right there, too, is when you laugh, but then also feel bad for laughing at the same time. <laughs> it's, it's good. Yeah, I have that realization yeah. that, that a lot of times we just wind up killing our our most beloved characters, right. uh, whether it's it's pop characters that we grew up with or whether it's original characters. There, there's something about laughing at death or you know, creating some resurrection opportunity that, that is, is always interesting to me. Now, speaking about the scientists, uh, really quickly, who kind of literally put the nerd back together and brought him to life, am I crazy, or was there a Rick Sanchez 
nod or reference in there. We make a joke about um, Rick Sanchez being incredibly similar physically to our scientists, but the original genesis of the scientist, you know, was was both anime um, inspired and and also um, a little bit of Doc Brown, like any kind of he's got a bit of Einstein in him. You know, we we love the idea of of an amalgam of all these popular, famous scientists. And I love that because that theory that the, this unnamed scientist was, you know, a Rick from one of the many Ricks that are out there, that theory has been around on the internet for like, I don't know, five or six years. And now with this new season, maybe that's going to rekindle that and people are going to make that logical leap to like, is Morty the robot chicken? And I'm just kind of curious to see how far the internet Oh, that's funny. That. I guess you'd have to ask Justin if he, if he took any inspiration from our show for either of those characters. But I think it, it's just sort of a happy coincidence. And then from, from my perspective, it's just funny. The more any of these universes feel shared, I think the more satisfying it is to fans. Exactly. Yeah, we're on the same page with that. Um, then speaking kind of to the, the, you know, the nature, the brand of Robot Chicken, as usual, this season kind of starts off, you have a great combination of plays on nostalgia that people love, like we talked about, the sort of Frankenstein-inspired opening, and also, which made me super happy, the, the brief reference of the Stone Protectors, which I did not see coming. Uh, but you also get the parody, you know, current events, current shows like The Handmaid's Tale, and then obviously Trump who's very ripe for any kind of commentary. But because of how long it takes your show to animate, how sparing are you guys with touching on like current events and contemporary stuff like that? We really stay away from anything that feels of the moment. Uh, but but we, we try to predict what is going to stick, you know, what people are going to remember two years later, five years later. We, we like the idea that we're an aggregator of nostalgia and, and therefore sort of share that, um, the secret conversation that, that fans are having about pop itself. Um, th that was the thing that we, we found the very first season that we uh, brought to San Diego Comic-Con was all this stuff that we thought was exclusive to our water cooler conversations was actually widely discussed. And so it gave us a, an odd sense of community that thousands, if not millions of people were influenced by the same pop culture and had similar questions about the inherent ironies or silliness of it and so we we come from that place like what has broken through so completely that people are still going to recognize this icon years later or or, or what kind of joke is still going to be relevant even if it's uh, even if the thing itself isn't as popular anymore and that usually comes down to how much time we spend on any given sketch if we've got something that we know is is an easy memory like infinity war then we can spend, you know, 30 seconds to a minute. Or, or if we've got a real sketch that's, that's um, deconstructive, you know, even two minutes on that single thing. But if it's something that one person is going to remember or two people, then we're, we're, we're typically not too indulgent. And then there's also exemptions of that where it's like the stone protectors. We just find that very funny. Right. Um, we just find them very funny. And so we'll play on stuff that is visually or... Um, comedically interesting, even if no one knows what we're talking about. If something can play, even if you don't know the base reference of it, then then that's a really good joke, and that's where we where we'll spend extra time on something that that people don't know about. Well, you made at least one viewer out there very happy to see that, so I hope that helps. Uh, just... We keep we keep bringing the stone protectors back, and we're starting to evolve our own internal mythology about them, and 
I don't know. I don't know if anyone else is finding this funny besides you and me, but we still find it very funny. Well, and I feel like once you have to track down uh, those old figures, which can't be easy sometimes, like once you have them, you're like, well, we kind of need to use them in something because we can't just get rid of them again. Well, and just also the idea of this, you know, troll band that has special space powers. (laughs) There's something so ridiculous about it that, their own mythology is so dumb. We just like following the thread of it, you know, as, as all these older bands that are fighting the, the gravity of obscurity are going back out on the road and trying to reestablish themselves. Where do the stone protectors fit into that? Are they, are they equally as enthusiastic about trying to get on one of these festival tours? I love that you guys have probably put more thought into like, imaginary stone protectors lower than the original creators of the toys ever did which is clearly yeah if you've if you've read the actual existing mythology the stone protectors you can tell that we've put way more thought into it exactly and we appreciate that <laughs> uh, speaking of fun and nostalgia and things that remind me of my childhood i was very pleased to hear mark hamill as the joker this season are there any yeah. other, are there any other guest stars including hamill that you're particularly proud of in season 10 i've got uh, a whole list of people Sure. We had Susan Sarandon on this year, uh, who's awesome, and Darcy Carden, who yeah. I just I think is so so funny and talented. Uh, Anna Camp did something, and uh, Ross Marquand. Is that something that you guys go out to a specific person for a specific character, or do they come to you and ask if you have anything if they'd like to get involved? Uh, How does that usually work? It's a little it's a little bit of both. If we've got a specific character that someone originated that they're not currently playing. Uh, then we'll we'll usually go after them, um, but it, but then there's also situations where we're going to do a Deadpool sketch, and somebody like Ryan Reynolds can't legally perform that outside of uh, Fox, and so it's it's almost better in that instance to get a a, a parody interpretation. Or we had um, uh, Chris Pine on this season, and he did a, a Venom sketch, so he's doing a, a Tom Hardy impersonation, and you know it's it's almost funnier than getting actual Tom Hardy to do it. Right. And Pine you've worked with for Supermansion too, which he's incredible. And I don't think he gets nearly yeah. enough credit for his performances in that because he kind of disappears into these roles. I agree. I think he's just brilliant. We we met him um, maybe in the seventh season. He came in to do a, a Star Trek gag and he was just so good in the booth and so versatile. And I didn't even know he could sing at the time. And he just had a lot of great ideas and was really game to be silly, which is my favorite kind of performer, someone who is uh, both able to do um, uh, impressive, dramatic work, but also fearlessly silly. Um, I, I love to bring him in anytime we can. We were, he got he got nominated for an Emmy for his uh, Supermansion work one year. Oh, that's crazy, but I mean, like, well-deserved. Yeah, I agree. And then I had that great conversation with one of the governors where they were like, I just couldn't even believe it. And you almost mad at him for being so handsome and talented at the same time. It's really not fair, is it? The rest of us poor schlubs no, should have... just <laughs> eke it out as best we can. Well, well, he should have some weaknesses. But I also, because I've I've spent my life um, never in competition with leading men, but, leading men, <laughs> but more in a in a uh, like an ensemble or, or supporting capacity I, I i usually just i delight in other people's abilities and i look for our opportunities to collaborate rather than feeling some sort of envy or like i should be doing that yeah. and then and then kind of on the flip side of that too i feel like the recording booth sometimes you know if you i'm sure there's a leading man a, a leading woman kind of pressure 
they always have to be vying for those spots or, or whatever. I feel like being in that booth maybe gives you some of that freedom, lets you kind of relax a little bit. And like you said, just kind of be silly and explore and play. I definitely feel like as a voiceover performer, you get the opportunity to play roles that you can't physically play. And that's, that's something that I offer to anybody. Um, you know, whether it's, it's Chris Pine or, or Scarlett Johansson, you, there, there are things that actors can physically play and that, that usually limits the types of things they'll be cast in. And what we like to offer on this show is the chance to do something totally different, something that, that is, is only defined by your voice and your, your versatility of performance. Um, and I, and I enjoy the same thing. I, I love getting like, you're not going to cast me as somebody's grandma, but I can play a funny grandma on our show. Right. Uh, jumping back into the show specifically for a little bit here, I, I kind of love that Robot Chicken remains one of the very few examples today of parodies, uh, of current culture, of, of, you know, you don't dip into the politics too much, but just in general, by being a part of that culture, it's a parody. It's a parody show. It's a satirical show. And we don't really have too yeah. many of those today. Um, yeah, it's us and SNL. Um, and then the internet, you know, that's really the truth yeah. is that the, the internet is, it, it's both a blessing and a curse that there are so many people able to have an immediate response to pop culture or create a parody. And, uh, you know, obviously we've got a slightly better budget than the average person in Minnesota making something in their backyard, but we, we do, um, it is, it is exciting to see how many people are creative out there. Right. Um, um, but as far as, as far as parody goes, we, we try to have an original point of view or we try and do something or say something that you're not going to hear on SNL and you're, you're not going to see on, on YouTube. And with politics, that's never really felt like our lane. Right. Um, we don't want to make the same kind of jokes that John Oliver or Trevor Noah are going to make. We're not, I don't think people look to us to be, um, politically dissective. We're, we're really, we like the silliness of it. That's why we, we have Trump talking about the purge, you know, we're not, right, exactly. we're not trying to get, we're not trying to take Trump down a peg for things he's actually doing. It's, it's just clear his persona is uh, ripe for parody. So that's where, that's where we'll live. Yeah. Let me ask you this and kind of continuing that train of thought since robot chicken has been on the air, you know, well over 10 years now, have you seen kind of a shift in how people respond to your kind of humor? It feels like lately there's just more of that knee jerk reactionary response rather than any kind of like thoughtful appreciation or taking a breath to understand what the content is. What what's your uh, well, perspective on that? I do think that culture has become um, very quick to make um, a pronouncement about something's offense or um, I, I do see people uh, taking offense on behalf of other people that are not necessarily them. Right. And so there's a lot of implied offense or, um, um, you know, critique. Um, but for the most part, we don't, we don't make those kind of jokes. You know, we, we really don't come from a mean spirited place when we're making jokes. Um, and even though comedy has evolved over the last 10 years and, and the audience is, is both more bold and more sensitive at the same time, we, we just try and make stuff that makes us laugh. Um, and that tends to be our safest space. And then continuing that kind of line of thought, uh, since Robot Chicken is known for obviously poking fun at pop culture, I also love that you guys are one of the few 
who actually kind of take aim at Star Wars every once in a while. And it comes from a loving place, obviously. I was wondering, as a bit of a tangent to that, do you have any updates on the state of Star Wars detours? Is that anything you can talk about? Or is it still kind of status quo from where it's been the last few years? Um, it's still pretty status quo. My my understanding is that um, the, the Lucasfilm plan is, is rooted in uh, new movies and expansive television uh, for the Disney Plus platform. And it doesn't seem right now that they're pursuing this kind of comedy. Um, it, it's a it's a tough it's a tough thing because the show was created before um, the sale to Disney, before the plan to make new movies, before the plan to develop a theme park environment, before the concept of a subscription streaming service that housed several offshoots, including an Obi-Wan show or a Mandalorian show. It's like all of that came post us making these 40 episodes. Right. And so I, I guess I, I really don't know. I think there would have to be such a clear and vocal fan demand um, to, to make anybody want to shift their plan, because right now it doesn't seem like the, the company plan includes this kind of deconstructive comedy coexisting with these sincere interpretations of the characters. Well, I imagine if it's just a robot chicken special, sure. it lives in a slightly different world than something that was produced by Lucasfilm and, you know, created by George Lucas. It's, it, it, it's a little easier for the company to have um, external parodies than it is for them to present their own characters in a deconstructive way. Exactly. Um, kind of on that yeah. note, are there any brands or titles that are completely off the table for you guys, or does kind of anything go as long as you find the right angle to approach it? Uh, well, we don't have any sacred cows, if that's what you mean. There's there's stuff that, like, we're not trying to take personal digs at individual people. Right. Um, and, and again, we, we really only chase what makes us laugh. And so if something feels mean-spirited or if somebody's having a, a, a sour moment, we don't, we don't really try to go after them like that. But no, there's nothing that's like off the table. If there's if there's a great joke that isn't, you know, just shitting on somebody for the sake of shitting on them, we'll usually make it. I was just wondering if maybe there was an end around with what you've done with Star Wars Detours, if there's any kind of like Spaceballs expanded universe possibly in the future. I don't know. I would just love, uh, I would, I would love to go back to that kind of parody of something that's uber popular to kind of not take it down a peg like you were, like you were just mentioning, but just to kind of yeah. even out the takes and the experience on it, because I feel like that's what parody's for. That's why it exists in the first place. Yeah. Well, the trick about something like detours is it's not actually a parody. It, it, it really, was conceived to be a Simpsons-style narrative within the Star Wars universe. And so all of the characters are just different interpretations of the characters. That it's, So it's, it's not the same as taking something that everyone's aware of and sort of twisting it and offering it from a different perspective. But we don't have a plan to make a Spaceballs-type project, um, uh, all of the the other stuff that we're the, considering as a company, the the other kind of projects that we're developing, were were less focused on uh, parody things and more focused on original ideas. Gotcha. And then speaking of a detour, I will bring it back around to Robot Chicken. So you mentioned a couple times you, you've got season ten coming up, features your two hundredth episode. So congratulations on that. Uh, you Thanks. said you're you're finishing up production on that. Is that correct? Yeah, we still have another couple months, but we're 
we're powering it out. Gotcha. Uh, what can you tease about maybe the behind-the-scenes discussions that led to that? Because I'm assuming it's going to be a, a celebration, a milestone event, and then maybe tease some ideas that did or did not ultimately make the cut? For the 200th episode yes. or throughout the season? Yeah, for 200. I don't well, the 200th episode, we really... Uh, it was. I mean, the season, we, we write the show in block cycles. So we'll, we'll write four to five episodes at a time with a group of writers, and then we'll get a different group of writers to write another four or five episodes. And that that's how we produce the show. We, we block uh, produce it, um, you know, multiples at a time. And, and so each of those cycles, we sit with the writers and we, you know, we ask for what their original ideas are and um, try and get everybody creatively thinking about the pop that has influenced them or the stuff that they want to talk about. Um, and we'll push them in different directions if we've got some areas or properties that we want them to explore or stuff that we know is going to be a, a big deal and uh, we want them to make jokes about that. Um, and then with the 200th episode, because it's also the end of a season, we wanted to do something different. We wanted to do something more in line with our 100th episode um, that featured, uh, you know, a, a little bit of extra mythology with the, the chicken escaping from the scientist's lair and then having to fight his way uh, through the scientist's castle past all of the, you know, stars of previous seasons to rescue his beloved that the scientist had entrapped. So to that end, we wanted to make something that was unique, um, something that was bigger and different than us just getting canceled. Um, we wanted to do something that felt the fitting of this milestone. And so I'm, I'm really excited about the episode. I'm, I'm really happy with the, the narrative that we constructed, with the shape of it, with the guest stars that we got, um, and especially how it ends. Uh, since you can't give away, obviously, too many details because we want people to be excited and then get to see it fresh for the first time when it arrives, was the 200th episode, was that maybe a bigger production push? Um, I mean, you guys have been at this for, you know, 10 seasons now. You, you've got, I'm assuming, your production pipeline kind of nailed down. But was this, uh, did you have to divert kind of any more resources towards any special things you wanted to do in the 200th episode? Nah, it just doesn't work that way. We um, we don't get any any uh, extra allocation for anything. It was it was really just in the construction of it, just in the writing of it. Um, we still we still have to adhere to the same limitations uh, of the budget, but but that's something that I think we're good at is stretching our dollars to be able to achieve, you know, stylistically or aesthetically what something that's worth its while. Gotcha. Uh, kind of in the middle of season 10 here, but I've already seen, again, I've, I've seen the first three episodes and there are already some really impressive just kind of technical moments and scenes. Have there been anything uh, in season 10 that was a particular challenge for you guys or something that with the limitations of stop motion animation proved to be more difficult than you expected or more kind of tedious than you had planned for? I'm thinking specifically of the um, multiple Michael Fassbender uh, <laughs> scene in which you have like five of the same puppets coming together uh, in, in multiple right, ways. That, I'll do the fingering. Yeah, no, the, the, um, um, the uh, all of the way that the puppets are constructed is really similar, and so making multiples of them is just sort of a product of, 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 of doing it, especially on a show like Supermansion or... Um, any of our other productions, you, you have to make multiples of individual characters so that they can shoot on several stages at the same time. And so it really is just a matter of that. We have a, a budget that allows for whatever puppet characters are created for any individual episode, and we just have to be smart in the way that we allocate. 
Uh, before I run out of time with you, you've mentioned that you're also working on a special. Is there anything you can tease about that as far as theme, when fans should keep an eye out for it, anything like that? I don't think I can, and it won't be until next year. Gotcha. So we can look for that in 2020. Yeah. Fair. We'll make some kind of announcement, oh, I'm sure, sure, about what it is. and But it, it's it's good. We just finished writing it, and so I'm... I'm pretty excited, and it's a it's a it's a pretty big brand, and I don't think anyone's expecting us to do this. So I like that. So it's going to be kind of in the vein of like a, a Walking Dead, where it's a separate entity from Robot Chicken yeah. for the most part. Cool. Yeah, it's its own half hour um, that we're working with the parent company to make, and it'll be really fun. <laughs> Very cool. Looking forward to it. Um, <laughs> Look at vague enough. It's vague enough for for the lawyers. Um, when, when it comes to Robot Chicken and having to, you know, go through this seasonal production and then maybe having that in the back of your mind, I know you mentioned you don't really think about it, but, you know, you've got to go through these renewals all the time. So do you and the team, do you have any kind of end game in mind or are you happy to just kind of continue the ride as long as you're able to? Yeah, we, we love making the show. Um, and it's always, it's a, as long as pop continues to exist and as long as we're always able to employ uh, younger writers and get their perspective on the pop that influenced them. I, I think we've got a shot at continuing to make this thing. Um, Matt had said, my partner Matt Senreich had said at one point that he started to see our show as like an animated SNL, as a, a, a parody spot and a, and a comedy stop for, you know, fans of all ages. And, and to that end, our hope is to continue it into perpetuity. You know, I think we'd make it as long as they let us. Um, and we have a great relationship with Adult Swim. And, you know, there's certain finite realities to what it costs to make and how much money it can make and, you know, balancing that out. But we really enjoy it. And we love the fan response. Um, it, it's such a privilege to be allowed to entertain people. Um, and so we'll do it as long as we can. Well, I would personally love to be talking with you about the premiere of, I don't know, season 75. I don't know if I'll live that long, but who knows? <laughs> Me neither, man. We'll be, we'll it's, be. Been, it's been near 15 years of making it at this point. I've never had a job that lasted this long. So, well, well, I guess guys. Uh, yeah. Family Guy, but we had gaps gaps in sure. that production. So. Yeah, and this is literally... And I'm, and I'm only responsible yeah. for my performance. So. <laughs> exactly. So it's a much easier job. Exactly. <laughs> uh, my last question for you today, um, what is up next for you? I mean, I know we've got this new season coming up, but you've got a lot of other things going on. So what can you tease about what's coming up next for you? Uh, well, I got to direct a movie called Changeland, which is uh, coming out on, I think it's out on DVD this week. That was a really exciting and new experience. I got to make a very independent film with a bunch of friends of mine, and um, I'm really happy with it. It is it is probably a departure from what anybody expects of me, but that was really the fun of it was tackling a new challenge. Um, it's it's less comedic than than Robot Chicken, uh, but it's a adventure story about friendship and relationships, and you know, growing up and all the things that you face along the way. Fantastic. And for our animation fans out there, is there more Supermansion on the way? I, I remember something about kind of the Sony crackle shift. wasn't sure where Supermansion kind of fell uh, with all of that. We, we're in the middle of exploring those options. There, there are a couple of options, and we're hopeful that we'll make a new season of it at some point. Um, and then I don't – I think it's been announced, but we're, we're making the, an animated show for uh, Hulu, a stop-motion show that's kind of a – like a like a Game of Thrones, but acted out with you know incredibly rudimentary children's toy characters, and <laughs> so it's 
hypersexualized and violent, but it also looks um, aesthetically unique and like a, like almost like a kid's property. Is that crossed swords or crossing swords? Did I get that? Correct? Yeah, crossing swords. Oh, fantastic! Exactly. Yeah, I think that has been announced. But that's not that's not coming out till next year either. Gotcha. Well, anything to keep you busy, I guess. I don't know where you find the time to do all these things, but I'm glad I'm glad they're still coming. Thanks. It is it is a daily quest for balance. <laughs> Understood. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I think we'll, we'll call it there. Best of luck with everything coming out in the next year and more. Thank you. Great to talk with you. Thanks again to Seth Green for taking the time out of his crazy schedule to talk to us about all things Robot Chicken. Again, Season 10 debuts on Adult Swim Sunday, September 29th at midnight. And also a big thanks to our friend Bobby Anthem. You heard him on the episode, but you can also hear him on the paranormal podcast Inhuman Experience with his co-host Bobby Blades. You can find both of them on Twitter at I-E-X-P underscore podcast. Bobby also has a solo show, which you should definitely check out, called In Search of My Lost Soul. That's available along with the Inhuman Experience podcast pretty much everywhere podcasts are found. As for Sean, as he's slowly being pieced together one frame at a time, you can find him doing improv comedy work with the group Nox. That's N-O-X exclamation point. You can head to witdc.org for tickets and times. You can also find him on Twitter and Instagram at Sean Paul Ellis. As for me, you can find me on Collider.com. On Twitter, you can find me at DrClawMD. And you can also pick up my new book, The Science of Breaking Bad, available anywhere books are sold. If you want to get in contact with us, tell a friend, review us on Apple iTunes, all kind of fun stuff. You can check us out on Twitter at MorningTunes. Find us on Instagram and Facebook at Saturday Morning Cartoons. You can drop us an old-fashioned email, SaturdayMorningCartoons at gmail.com. Remember that all of those spellings of morning are with a U. You can find all these links in our link tree in the bio for all of the above social media sites. And for these podcast episodes, you can listen to us weekly on Collider Weekly. You can also find us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, anywhere you guys find podcasts. That's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Hey, everybody. Thanks a lot for listening to Saturday Morning Cartoons. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to transform and roll out.